You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Well, guys, guess what? We're still in the book of Matthew. So if you'll open your Bibles, we're going to go back to Matthew 26. Matthew chapter 26. I want to talk to you this morning from a passage of Scripture that you that have been here with us for these many months that we've been through the book of Matthew, you know that Christ is now hours from the cross, and you know that it won't be long before he'll be hanging on Calvary. So everything we read about here is like the last of. It's the last thing he gets to say or teach about a certain subject, and today's lesson is no different than, um, than uh, what we've just been talking about. It's, it's, uh, I want to talk to you about a state of denial, because there's a lot of people that probably are sitting in here today in that same state a state of denial, unwilling to admit things about yourself that God knows very well all about us. He knows what the issues are, and He knows what is at work in our heart and soul even here this morning. He knows if you're excited to be here or if you were forced to come here somehow, some way. And uh, if it wasn't for my mom or my dad or some relative or friend, I, I wouldn't be here or whatever it might be. We're excited to be here from the retreat or any number of reasons that you're here this morning, what we need to know and understand is God reads your heart today perfectly and clearly. He knows what's going through your mind right now. He knows the thoughts and whether it was a good conversation on the way to church or a tough one. Um, God knows everything. Could we all agree with that? Say amen that uh, my God knows everything. And uh, we're going to find that here today. And there was a young man that had trouble with that, uh, with um, believing that God knew everything and wanted to try to correct God and make him aware of what the truth really was. Guess who that guy's name was? <laughs> Guess what his name was? Peter, obviously. So in Matthew 26 and verse 30, we're going to read down through the, those uh, brief verses there, 30 to 35, picking up in verse 30. If you look at the section before that, you see that the Lord's Supper is instituted. It was the last Passover, the first of the the Lord's Supper. And they leave there and get into verse 30. And notice this, and when they had sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then saith Jesus unto them, all ye shall be offended because of me this night. That's a pretty clear statement, isn't it? So all means every one of you are going to be offended because of me this night, for it is written. Now, when he says that, he's going to quote an Old Testament scripture, a prophecy that was given in the past, and he's going to quote from that, all right? For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. In other words, just so you know, I will die You guys are going to run and scatter because of the persecution coming at me, uh, and and you'll scatter. But just so you know, I'm going to rise again, 
and I'll meet you guys in Galilee. Now, that was a clear command to them. Now, verse 33. Peter answered and said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Now, before I read these next couple of verses, can you look up here? You know what Peter just did? He did what most of us are not willing to do, but we have those words going on in our heart. Uh, Peter said what was in the bottom of his heart, and, and, and we like to kind of cover things up and act a certain way and, and kind of go along with the game a little bit. But the truth of the matter is, in our heart, we've got a, a, a very strong opinion about something, and we just don't speak it out loud like Peter did. Peter was just one that had these words written across his forehead, ready or not, here they come, talking about the words that's in his heart. And he would say it, and that's exactly what he did. He stands there, and I'm sure he's thinking, what are you talking about? We've walked with you for three years. We've seen all that you have done. My heart is knit with yours, and you think I'm going to just walk away from you? That's not going to happen. So look at it again, verse 33. Peter answered and said unto him, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never, well, that's a pretty strong word, never be offended. If you haven't learned that lesson yet, never use the word never. <laughs> I'll never, you'll never catch, I mean, before you know it, God's going to say, oh yeah, I'm just going to show you how human you are. Now look in verse 34 and 35. Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, that this night before the cock crow, the rooster, thou shalt deny me thrice. Peter looks at him <laughs> incredulous. He can't believe what has just been said to him. Peter said unto him, though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. I'm going to have a word of prayer before I do that. Can I just say something to us this morning? One thing he did that was very good was to be willing to lay on the table who he really was and what he really thought. He laid his opinion out there very clear for everybody to be able to see and for the Lord to be able to see. And in some ways, it was a confession without him really realizing it. He thought it was a, a statement of faith, but it wasn't. It really was a confession of his weakness. And he laid it out there and let the Lord know right out front, this, hey, this is who I am, this is what I think. And the Lord already knew that. But it sure did give the Lord something to work with in his heart. Next Sunday, we'll get into it even deeper as they make their way to the Garden of Gethsemane. And he really shows him how weak he really was at that point. But let me have a prayer with you, and then we'll get into the message. Thank you, Lord, again, to be in the house of God today with your people. And man, my heart's so full today to be able to see the folks here today. God, it's, it's just been a little tough with the weather. And um, so I praise the Lord for that. And would ask today, God, that you'll take your word. We need you, God. We, we need you to expose our hearts today. We need you to help us to be very real with you, to stop playing games and the cover-up, and to let God deal with us with where we really are in our hearts this morning. God, please, if we are in some way in a state of denial about where we are in our lives, may you please, by the Holy Spirit of God, prick our hearts and show us what we need to know. And I'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. I pulled up an article this morning. I so wanted to read it. Finally was able to get it. Finally got it printed off. And uh, I, I gave this uh, little illustration a few months ago here on a Wednesday night in, a, in a, me uh, a message I had preached. But listen to this. 
uh, a Reverend Gary Richmond wrote a book entitled A View from the Zoo. He wasn't writing about college. Uh, he was telling of the couple of years he worked with animals at the L.A. Zoo. He shares stories of animals and makes adaptations to human life. Some of, these, some of the stories are parables. One story is about, a, is about Bandit, an 18-month-old raccoon pet of a neighbor of Gary's. The animal was irresistible. It followed its owner everywhere and had some very appealing mannerisms. It grew to be about 25 pounds and seemed to be the best companion anybody could ever have. Gary mentioned to the zoo veterinarian about the unique relationship um, and asked, why don't more people keep raccoons as pets? The vet's answer uh, greatly surprised him. They undergo a glandular change, something in one of their glands, changes at about 24 months. After that, they become unpredictable, independent, and often will attack their owners. Are there any exceptions? Gary inquired. None that I know of was the reply. Then Julie, his young neighbor, teenage girl, then she's likely to be bitten? Uh, Any time now, I should think, the doctor added with conviction. Gary knew that a 30-pound raccoon can be equal to a 100-pound dog in a scrap and felt obligated to warn his neighbor regarding her safety. He explained to her that she was in danger. Her response was more emotional than rational. Here's what she said. It's going to be different for me. Bandit is different. And she smiled and added, Bandit wouldn't hurt me. He just wouldn't. Three months later, Julie, the neighbor, was undergoing plastic surgery for facial lacerations sustained when her adult raccoon attacked her for no apparent reason. And the raccoon was released into the wild. Well, a raccoon is a pet. I I looked at them and showed a picture of what a little baby looks like. They are kind of cute. But a big old raccoon man, those sharp claws and those teeth, it's time to get rid of that thing. The young girl was in a state of denial because she was so convinced that this, uh, this young little cute little thing, I have got him pegged, I know him without doubt, and, and you're, you're just kind of all messed up. If you just really knew everything, you would know that this little guy's not going to attack me. And sure enough, the glandular change happened 24 months into it, and it wasn't long, and it did attack her. True story, uh, but she was just in a state of denial. Like a lot of Christians have become in so many areas of our lives. Guys, there are things that are at work in every person's life, and God knows everything about that. And God knows what's just down the road and what's going to potentially about to happen to us or what is going to happen. And God will give me and you clear warnings about that. There will be a nudge by the Spirit of God. It, it could have been something said in a message you heard. could have been in your Bible reading. Just somewhere along the way, the Spirit of God wants to lead us into righteousness and into right ways. And God will nudge you about things in your heart and life that if you'll listen to what God says and be willing to um, agree with what the Spirit of God is trying to say, then you can kind of walk out of that state of denial and I believe you can avoid a whole lot of heartache and grief that happens in the hearts of lots of Christians who just will not admit that this is where I potentially could be. I could potentially be in danger. A lot of Christians are not willing to admit that. So, so let's look again here at um, 
how Jesus exposes, first of all, he exposes the weakness of their hearts. I mean, it's like Jesus grabs their heart, peels it open, holds up this view to everybody and says, hey, this is what's going on inside of you. Those first couple of verses, look in verse 30 again. And when they'd sung in him, they went out into the Mount of Olives and then uh, saith Jesus unto them, all ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock shall, that's a definite uh, word that's going to happen, shall be scattered abroad. In other words, you're going to all run away. But after I'm risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. So here we are. It's after the Lord's Supper. Jesus went to a very familiar spot that was, uh, was like his prayer closet. We're familiar with that being that Mount of Olives. He, he loved that area. It was a territory he frequented often. And he goes to that place uh, with his uh, disciples. And uh, there's this really important subject. Remember, we're hours from the cross, really. You can put it that way. So there's something that's really heavy on his heart and mind. Have you ever been like ready to leave and go on a trip or going to be gone for a while and yet there's somebody that you know you've got to talk to about a, a very important issue and it's just right there and you know you've got to be able to share it before you leave and this is Christ. He knows he's going to be gone in just a, a matter of hours. Uh, he'll, he'll be at Calvary and he wants to make these guys aware of who they really are and show them some things about them. He's fully aware also once he tells them what it's all about what their reaction is going to be. He even quotes a scripture to prove that to them. Back in, you don't have to turn to Zechariah 13, verse 7. You might have that little verse as a reference there beside verse 31. Jesus is simply quoting a reference from an Old Testament prophet saying, guys, here's what God already knew centuries ago. And, and this is just this coming to pass. God knew centuries ago before you were ever brought into the world, before you were ever brought into existence, what your life was going to be like, that I would be taken and smitten and hung on Calvary and that all of the disciples were going to run and scatter from me. God knew that even before I was brought into existence. You know, God knows your heart and mind better than you could ever hope to imagine. God knows everything about us. Before we're ever brought into the world, God knows my every step that I'm going to take. He knows that so clearly and, and so well. So again, he quotes from uh, Zechariah from the written word of God, and his words are very accurate. Not only, I mean, he doesn't need to be quoting from an Old Testament passage of Scripture to make his words validated because Jesus, of course, was God himself, but he also took from the Old Testament prophet the word of God while Jesus himself, the word, is quoting from that. It's like a double proof that this is going to take place. So here's what he does. He begins to tell his disciples, guys, every one of you are going to be offended because of me this night. All of you. And I can see them kind of, you know, if they were sitting in a pew, they'd kind of lean forward a little bit and say, what'd you just say? Um, offended, that comes from a word where we get our word uh, scandal. Scandalizo, I think is the Greek word that it comes from. We get the word scandal from that. It, it's just a word that means you're going to be tripped up in a really ugly way. And you're going you're to take a bad fall. You just are. I know your life. I know what you're thinking in your heart before you ever take the steps. And this is what's going to happen. And he makes them also aware that the shepherd will be smitten and that the sheep or the disciples are going to be scattered and they're going to forsake him. In other words, I'm headed to Calvary. You guys still don't get that. 
But once they take me and things start looking a little scary, it's going to do something to a part of your heart that you have no idea what you're really like in this part of your heart. And you guys are going to scatter and you're going to run from me. You're going to forsake me. So just before he goes and prays in the garden, he attempts to open up their eyes to who they really are and where they are spiritually and where he knew they would be after their denial of him. What, what was going to happen? Man, they're going to run. They're going to hightail it, run for their life. So he lays the facts out to get them to open up. Let me just say this before I uh, move along. Oh, you got Peter's foolish denial coming up here, but can we also say this this morning, guys, here at Eastside? If we could all just kind of look up here for a minute. God's Holy Spirit will do the very same thing for you and me today. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that Jesus Christ, through the Spirit of God, wants you to know who you really are. God wants you to know where your weaknesses are. God wants to be able to reveal to you if you've got a, an area in your life that you're kind of uh, grown a little slack in and, and you're kind of uh, allowing this area to continue to work in your life and, and you kind of shove it into the background. You don't want your conscience to be convicted about that. And so in some ways you're not even fully aware of what's going on in your life. But if you'll listen carefully, the Spirit of God can show you who you really are. And uh, you, you may not always be the person sitting here in your Sunday morning clothes. Uh, who you really are when you get at home, when you sit on your bed at night, and you lay down and your mind just runs past the day and what you've allowed to take place in your life. The Spirit of God is like the candle of the Lord that searches the inward parts of the belly, the Bible says. God knows us intimately and knows what's going on really, really going on in your heart and life. I like to think we're all just happy Sunday morning Christians, that everything's going really good in our lives today, and man, we hope that God speaks to us and other people in church. Maybe somebody could get saved today. Maybe I'd like to think that's what's going on in everybody's hearts and minds, but I have a very strong idea that God knowing who all of us are, when the Spirit of God pierces my heart today and looks into your heart today, God knows exactly who you are and desires to open your heart up if you'll let him stop shoving him out of your heart, let him peel open your heart today and show you what he sees, who really is inside. It's not always the person that we are portraying on the outside. Peter thought it was true. Peter thought, I'm the same guy on the outside as I am on the inside, and I'm never going to forsake you. I, I know how strong I really am in the Lord, but he didn't know. And if you'll let the Lord talk to your heart during messages and the reading of the Word of God, God can expose the reality of our true hearts and, and let maybe it's ugliness that's in there be brought out and, and let the Spirit of God replace those parts of our lives that are so unnecessary to be a part of us. So first of all, He exposed the weakness of their hearts and then He confirms what Jesus already knew. Peter makes this foolish denial. Look in verse 33, we've, we've been on it several times already, but Peter answered and said unto him, and this is what he really thought, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. Then verse 35 again, Peter said unto him, though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny thee. And we kind of forget sometimes that uh, we think Peter was the only one saying that, but notice the end of that verse Likewise also said all the disciples. 
<clears throat> they were all convinced of that. I, I'll never, I'm never going to forsake you, God. I know who I really am, and uh, I've kind of got my act together. <clears throat> I really believe this. <clears throat> I believe with all my heart Peter had a sincere, deep love for Jesus. I believe the things that he had seen stunned him. I think the way that he would sacrifice himself, put himself in in harm's way, walk up to the leper that everybody else was running from and take that man by the hand and heal him, I I think it did something to the heart of Peter, truly. I I think when he saw how Jesus loved a, a, a woman with an issue of blood that everybody else knew that they would be defiled for the day. If that woman bumps up against me and, and uh, <clears throat> brushes up against my life, <clears throat> this won't be a good thing. And yet Jesus had compassion on that woman and on those who had died and uh, walking up on that funeral where that, that widow was and her son had died and he stopped the whole funeral procession and Peter looked at Jesus like, what's going on? We're in our own procession on our own journey and yet he saw that look in Jesus' eyes, that look of compassion that, that he knew he's about to do something here. And of course he touched the, they call it the casket, the beer, the casket, and the young man arose and presented him to his, uh, his mother. Peter probably stood back many times just like, I can't believe this man I get to walk with and the kind of love that he has for us. I've never experienced anybody with that kind of love and compassion for me. And I, I really do believe the, the heart of Peter loved Jesus. I believe that. But that love needed to mature quite a little bit. There was something that needed to be done even in a greater fashion. If you'll remember, after the resurrection, <clears throat> Jesus met the disciples. They said, I'm just, let's just go back to fishing. Our greatest hopes are all dashed. And uh, Jesus meets them on the seashore. Peter realizes it's the Lord. He dives into the water. You're familiar with that story? Comes back to the shore. And if you remember the conversation Jesus had with him, What was the question he asked him three different times? Lovest thou me? And why would he ask him that? You think Jesus knew something about Peter way over here where we're at today in the Bible? You think Jesus knew something about the love that he had, that he thought he had? That he didn't even know about himself? Sure he did. And Jesus exposed that. Peter goes into this great big denial. And Peter had some very valuable lessons to learn about the difference between, listen to this, between zeal and commitment. And that's something we all need to stop and consider here this morning. You can have a lot of zeal for the Lord. You can have the greatest energy and pour your heart and soul into serving God. You can teach your Sunday school class and thank God for the teachers. And you can sing in the choir and, and the specials and you can do all that you do for God in, on, a, on, a, on a Lord's day and, and have all the zeal in the world, but really deep down inside, it's not a real true commitment. It's this outward fleshly kind of a thing that needs to mature into a deeper manner with a, a true love for God. So can I just break this apart for just a little bit? I want us to stop and look at the life of Peter. Can we sit Peter right down beside you and see how many times you and me relate to this man and what was going on in his heart and his mind. So let's break it down for just a little bit. First of all, we have to be willing to know and understand. Would you be willing to admit we know so little about our strengths until until we are tried? 
We think we might be so strong and we think we might be able to stand against something. We, we think we might be able to stand up against this or that. But when the trial comes that you've not been tested with yet, and you've never been allowed to come into this part of your life ever before, but when that time comes, you come to realize, I wasn't the man that I thought I was. I remember the first time <clears throat> we had gone to a carnival, and uh, there was the guy standing there with this big sledgehammer. You pound the base of this machine, and and uh, a ball would go up to the top and ring the bell. And uh, man, I, I'm like, I can do that. I can, I'm going to knock the bell off the top because I can do this. And I remember giving my 50 cents, threw my money away, and uh, I grabbed that hammer. Man, I threw that thing, I was young, threw that thing over my shoulder, about knocked me over backwards. And I slung that thing down and it went up to about three. On, ten, on a scale of 10. And the guy said, do it again. Go ahead, do it again. I'm like, I'm going to knock that bell off this time. It went up to two. That's embarrassing for an 18-year-old boy. I'm going to tell you what. Yeah, you're not who you think you are. I'm going to tell you that. Our trials are going to reveal where our weaknesses really are. They do. The hard times that come along that you don't want and you wish had never happened, those embarrassing moments in life that I can look backwards on, if you'll just be careful to understand, God's showing you something about yourself. God's revealing to you an area of weakness in your heart that needs to be dealt with and needs to be worked on, and that's what Peter was being shown. Also, we're not always the best judge of ourselves. Can we just say a little amen to that? We're not always the best judge of ourselves. You really don't always know your heart like you think you do. Jeremiah tried to make us aware of that. Remember the prophet of the Old Testament, chapter 17 and verse 9? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who knows the next little phrase? Who can know it? You can't even know your own heart. We're not the best judge of ourselves. We're not wise to go running around making bold statements and claims about who I am and what I can do and the great strength that I think I have. Guys, be careful that you don't get lifted up in that element of pride. Thirdly, we're not wise to make bold claims, especially when we are going against the direct word of God. It may not have been a verse written out of the book of Zechariah about you and your life, but the Holy Spirit of God has been pricking and convicting your heart for some time now. You know that. God's been trying to lead you, and yet you're kind of drifting away with your own thoughts and my own life, and I know how to lead my life. I don't need this thing that's being spoken to me. It's God trying to talk to your heart. It's like, you know, saying things like that. That'll never happen to me. Uh, teenagers falling into the world for some reason. Uh, I'll, I'll never get out of church. I'm always going to be a part of the house of God. I'll, I would never say anything like that. You'll never catch me going to a place like that. Guys, be careful. Be careful what we say. On and on we go, not realizing that many times we end up denying the Lord in ways that we didn't think was even possible. Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. I know my life. I know what I would do. I know who I am today, and I'm, I'm st I feel like I'm pretty strong in the Lord. Well, sometimes our resolve or our strong determination is based on things making sure they go our way. 
And as long as things are doing really good in our life, and you may not even realize this about yourself, you may have this really strong confidence in yourself, and it's based on how good things are going for you in your life. And you don't realize that sometimes. You don't realize that when the tables turn and times get really rough and tough and finances are down and your friends are against you or whatever it might be, you just don't realize what that's going to do to your life. So uh, our resolve sometimes is based on things going our way, like, like Peter was expecting Jesus to set up this millennial, or this, what was going to be during the millennium, but this throne where all of his disciples were going to worship around him. But Peter, that's not going to happen at this time. And be careful that your strong determination isn't resting on shaky assumptions rather than on strong convictions that come from the Lord God himself. So many times we deny the Lord when it's the last thing we thought we would ever do. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Well, what is it about that guy falling? It's the guy that thinks he stands. Who thinks I've got the strength to stay standing. That I can live my life this way. Everything's going to be fine this way. I know who I am. I know how strong things are inside of me. If things get too bad, I'll come running back to where maybe I need to be. Well, friend, you may not come running back to where you need to be. And if the Holy Spirit of God has been convicting you about something, get it right now. Foolishly, Peter denies the very words of Jesus again down there in in verse 35. Jesus looked at him. He said, Peter, hey, Peter, look at me. And he saw that look in his eyes. It wasn't a sarcastic look. It wasn't a judgmental look. But when Jesus said, hey, Peter, it was that same look of compassion that he had on all the other people that he was loving. Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to have denied me three different times. I've got an idea that was a hard one to swallow because of the spirit that he felt and that conviction that came rushing in. But nobody, he, he was determined. I, I'm strong enough. I, I know who I am in life, and I will not fall. I, I love the last part of this. So Jesus assures Peter of his re- recovery. Peter, you're going to fall, and you're going to go down hard. You're going to deny me not just once, three different times, Peter. You're going to deny me. I mean, it's going to hurt you deeply. But let me assure you of something, Peter. You're going to recover from this. I I love this part. Hold your place here in Matthew and go with me to the book of Luke uh, to a parallel um, passage of Scripture about this and get into Luke 22. Luke 22 and drop down to verse 31. Can you say amen with me when you get there? Amen? All right. Luke 22, drop down to verse 31. Listen to this. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, that's Peter, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. He wants to shake you to pieces. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. Now, please listen to this. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And he said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and into death. Notice the parallel passage. And he said, I, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. Peter, before you hear the rooster, three different times you're going to swear that. You didn't even know who that man was. 
But I, I look in verse 32 again. I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now you can flip back over to Matthew. When thou art, listen to this, when thou art converted. And here's what he's saying to Peter. Please don't miss this. Jesus is simply telling him, Peter, after your denial of me, you're going to come to a place where you repent of what you've done. You're going to recognize it for what it is. And it's going to be a, a sword in your heart. Uh, and and uh, you're going to come to that place where you repent of what you've done. And you're going to be used in a greater way than you could ever have been used before. After you come to the understanding that all your bold statements about not denying me, when you come to the understanding that those were now delusional statements, immature statements, can I even say untested statements, and you become the wiser for your mistakes, man, I'm going to be able to use you to strengthen the brethren like never before. Man, that, that, that so encourages my heart uh, to know that that's what God has in store for him. I'm so glad Jesus didn't just stop with, you're going to deny me three times, bud. Turn around bitterly and head toward the cross. Jesus took it all the way and said, not only that, when you're converted, which means when your heart is repented of what you've thought about yourself and how wrong you were and you realize the foolishness of your statements and of your own uh, self-examination and you recognize how wrong you were, your heart's going to be broken. And I'm going to bring you to a place where you're on your knees in absolute repentance and you're going to turn to me and you're going to get your heart right with God the Father. And when you do that, you're going to be used in a greater way than ever before, Peter. Peter still denies it at that point because... He's not grown through that yet. He's not come to the place where he saw what Jesus saw about him and realized just how low a man can really go with God thinking he's so strong in the Lord. <clears throat> but once, once that happens, God says it's going to rip your heart out. And when it rips your heart out, you're going to turn to me. And I want to give you strength like you've never had before. The steel in your heart will be tempered in a much stronger fashion. Now the weight that you can bear and the load that you can carry is more than ever before. Peter walked his way into Pentecost, if you remember, stood up and preached a message where 3,000 people got saved. What kind of a denier of God does that? Well, it's the guy that realizes just how wrong he really was. And seeks forgiveness. Gets his heart right with God. God's standing there the whole time with his arms out. Come on, Peter, I've been waiting for this. Draws him back into his arms and stands him up and says, Now, go strengthen the brethren. I've strengthened you. I've restored that part of your heart that you thought was so full of the love for me. I've given you that true conviction of heart now. Now you're as strong as ever before. Now, I can use you to go out and strengthen the brethren, which is exactly what he did. I I just love that. Jesus is letting Peter know he understands our humanity. I mean, after all, he made us. He understands we're going to make mistakes and fall and get up and fall and get up and fall. Uh, Proverbs 24, 16, a just man falleth uh, seven times and riseth up again. Jesus knows our humanity, but God will give you what it takes to get up again. 
and move on. I, I don't know, maybe you're here this morning and you, you're feeling like, uh, I'm Peter that uh, denied the Lord and thought I was so strong, but I realize now how wrong I was, and I denied my Lord in so many ways in my life. I've denied Him, shoved Him out of my life. I wouldn't stand up for a his cause. I, I would embarrassingly walk away from a group of people and not be a witness to him. And you know that somehow, some way, I've fallen away from the Lord. I'm here to tell you, a just man rises again every time. And God wants to lift you up again today and raise you up to a place of service. You say, I'm totally unusable. <clears throat> no, now is when you are usable. And you recognize how unusable I really am that I was never usable in the first place, that it's always been him that does the work anyway, will you forgive and cleanse me? You watch what God can do in your heart and in your life. God wants to do that even today. Peter, I know you're going to fall, but here's what you need to know. I'm going to help you get up. And when you do, you'll be a stronger man. You'll be a much wiser man. Your weakness will have been exposed, and you'll seek my grace to strengthen that part of your life. I remember that story of a little kid, uh, a man was walking down a sidewalk and he looked out into a ballpark and there was one little kid was standing there on the pitch, uh, on the uh, batters, at the batter's box and he had a ball bat and he said he watched that little kid, kept throwing a ball up in the air and he says he's like a little five, six year old boy. He tried to swing that bat and he kept missing the ball ball dropped to the ground and I mean this goes on and on he says I'm walking down the sidewalk and he says it intrigued me that he kept trying so many times to hit that ball and he said that kid's got to be discouraged he's, he's like I'm gonna go up behind him I'll try to be an encouragement to him and he said that I got right up behind him right as he threw the ball up one more time and he swung that bat and missed it again and he's like oh man he missed it again so discouraged with all these failures but he said I heard the little guy say this Man, what a picture. <laughs> that little guy knew how to take failure and realize something good can come out of this. Yeah. God wants to do something great in every one of our lives. I really believe that. But number one, you're not going to be used like God can use you unless you're willing to let God show you who you really are kind of covering it up. I don't want people to know who I really am. Or I kind of like who I am inside with nobody knowing. I'm going to tell you, friend, the fall is not good. It's not, it's not a good place to be. Maybe if God's tapping you on the heart saying, hey, let me show you something about you. Why don't you just come and talk to him about it? I mean, that's just the way to deal with it right now. The minute God talks to your heart, don't put it off. You know, you get in the car and drive home. I'll work on this at home. You know what happens between the church and the house. Please, if God speaks to your heart this morning, let God have his way. If you're here this morning, you don't even know him as Savior. If you died today, you don't know Christ as your Savior. Would you be willing to admit, I am a sinner before a holy God? And I deserve any and everything God could give to me, even a devil's hell, if that's where God so chooses, which he will if you don't know him as Savior one day. Friend, God will send us to a devil's hell. Would you be willing to admit I am a sinner before a holy and a righteous God, and I have nothing to offer him but a broken life? And would you be willing to invite Christ to be your Savior this morning? I hope and pray if it's not settled in your heart today, would you let God have his way this morning?
We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.